Welcome to the Insight Podcast by UNSW Law Society. The production team would like to begin by acknowledging the Gadigal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is made, and pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. This episode is sponsored by Montgomery Advisory, a firm dedicated to helping lawyers take the next step in their career path. The firm focuses on legal recruitment using unparalleled market and business knowledge to provide counsel and support for lawyers looking for new positions. We're joined today by Sam Gray and Laura Lau, who are both directors here at Montgomery. Both are responsible for recruiting and placing lawyers in various sectors across the globe, working closely with key personnel from national and international law firms to ensure quality lawyers find roles in which they can excel. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, Um, So I guess we'll start off with a kind of general question. Um, For the viewers who don't uh, quite understand or quite grasp what the kind of sector is, um, could you kind of explain what a legal recruiter does specifically? I guess if you're a uni student, you would probably not have heard what a recruiter is, because I know I hadn't for sure. So basically what we do, we're we're like a, a middleman for between lawyers and law firms or Uh, officers of general counsel so we get approached by a law firm whether it be Mallison's, Freehills, Allen's or even Linklater's, Clifford Chance in the UK or even further afield in the US and they might say to us we want to find a five-year M&A lawyer so then we have a database of around I think it's about 48,000 lawyers now so quite quite a few Um, and then we'd we'd, you know call the people we know do a search do a deeper search and then try and cover the market and then provide the the product being the the person where people traders essentially um, um some people say slave traders because lawyers <laughs> per hour they don't get paid very well that's another story um and then we and then we provide them a lawyer and hopefully that lawyer wants the job but we might provide that lawyer to six firms at once even though that firm approached us and then on the flip side and the reason we sort of exist is back in the day when because because if you go back 20 years lawyers didn't really change jobs like they were often in the one firm from grad through to partner, through to retirement at 55. Now people are working to 70 odd, and then the, the rise of the internet, oh, you hear about, oh, that firm's got a great culture, or they get paid more, and suddenly people are like, well, I don't want to explore all, how do I, how do I get to them without applying to 20 different firms? So then uh, you know, the recruitment market was started in the UK, and then it came here, and it eventually got to legal, and then our job is to, they come to us, we sit down with them, interview them, figure out what they want, whether it be salary, better culture, international opportunities then we give them a we run them through the options and then we get a short list and provide it, and then we're the middleman so we or middle woman in the worst case or middle person is probably the better term and we um we provide a, a information set up interviews and take the heat off them in terms of the partners or lawyer or the uh, hr trying to contact them directly and put pressure on them to accept the job we manage all that we manage both sides of the negotiation and they hopefully have a smoother process. That's, that's it in a nutshell. I don't know if you've got anything to add to that, Laura. I guess in simple terms, we find lawyers' jobs and we find lawyers for law firms or companies, to summarise. I might have overcomplicated <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, you mentioned 48,000 odd people in the database. I guess that comes with a lot of success stories in terms of career progression. And um, what aspect of your role would you find most rewarding or challenging or both? And are there any particularly memorable moments or placements that you could pinpoint in your career? Laura? Yeah, I think um, the most challenging aspect of it for me would be, given I've been doing it for over a decade now, um, as you mentioned at the beginning. She looks young, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think um, 
counseling lawyers throughout their career. So I've moved a number of lawyers now in my network, not once, not twice, but maybe three times in their careers. And that's not because they hate their job. It's just purely because they're ready for a new challenge. As Sam mentioned, you know, lawyers these days, they don't tend to generally stick around um, in a law firm for really any longer than, you know, five, six, seven years at the junior level, that is. Um, and it's really been, you know, rewarding to see those lawyers progress throughout their career and stay in contact with them. And when I started um, as a legal recruiter, a lot of the lawyers that now I'm in contact with are sort of similar level to myself, but at law firms so partners. So therefore the roles have changed. Now they've become my client and we're recruiting for them. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, there's the, you know, we've done quite a few, I've been doing this for 16 years now, so I've made quite a few placements, but the ones I guess I enjoy the most are the ones where I find somebody in a boutique firm that perhaps is not that well known locally. Mm. And they're, and they're, and they're, they're not fully aware and they come to you like, what do I do? And you, you meet them and you think, wow, this person's good, very good. <laughs> and they don't even know it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you go, have you thought about maybe Freehills and Allison's? Like, oh, I'm not like that. But you're like, I know you might think that, but I've, I've met a lot of lawyers from Freehills and Allison's and you've probably got better skills than they do. And then you help them, you help them realize that and then realize their potential. And then they're, you know, they're, they're forever grateful. And, and like Laura said, those people are often the ones you place and they want to go to New York or mm-hmm. London and then they come back and we do in-house as well. So I like that. I also like, um, I also like the days when you get a call from an old candidate you know, you haven't spoken with in five years and they and they're just calling you for advice. You know. They go, Hey, I know you I'm not you're not helping me out in this role, but what do you think of this opportunity? What do you think of the partner? So it shows that you become a true trusted advisor. So that, that's that's what I get the most satisfaction out, mm. out of. Yeah. And also I think when someone refers you to their friend or a colleague, that's a you know, a true reflection that they've had a good experience with us and, you know, um, they come to us. Um, for their next move, both on the client side and also the candidate side. It's quite nice. Yeah, and um, you mentioned earlier that I guess 10, 20 years ago, there was kind of a culture of loyalty towards a firm in which you stay at a firm until you're 50, 60, and then you retire. Or dead. Yeah, yeah or dead. <laughs> um, and do you think that this kind of new age thinking, I guess, where you spend five or six years at a firm and then you move towards a better opportunity, do you think that's better for the job environment or do you think the kind of olden ways were better? I mean, personally, I think um, it's good to experience new firms, work with different people, different styles. Um, On the same token, you know, there's nothing wrong with staying at a firm for all your career. Um, If you really enjoy the people that you work with and you like the work and you've got good clients. But Laura's here seven years now with us, so. Yeah, I'm one of those. (laughs) So, yeah, I think, you know, I think it's good to move because of the experience and, and you know a lot of lawyers at the junior level want to do an international stint or for example if they've decided that they don't want to be a lawyer in a law firm anymore they want to experience you know a new opportunity at a company where they can utilize the skill sets that they've built up and then expand and then that opportunity can lead into a non-legal or quasi-legal role in a company um, so I guess having a law degree initially is a really good degree to have yeah. You've got lots of opportunities down the line. I feel like it's a fine balance though. Like you, you've got to, you don't just move because you're having a bad day or <laughs> you, you didn't feel like you des- you deserved a bigger pay rise because the reality is in the current market, if you're not getting a bigger pay rise, you, you're probably not that good. Mm. Um, so those people leave, but they often 
go to another job thinking it's going to be better and then they leave again and before you know it, you've had four jobs in three years and then then the question marks start to be raised yeah. so it like moving is great if it's for a reason like i want to go in-house or overseas or i want to go top tier or i want a better work-life balance but i feel like if you can go somewhere for three years you, you learn a lot more than if you're changing jobs every 18 months so some people overcook it some people are hmm. better and then it's funny now if, if someone's been a job for 12 years you're, they're like they're like odd you know yeah. whereas back in the day that was that was not even a long tenure like my dad has been a partner at the same firm he's for 53 years wow. not a partner so in the same firm 53 years still there he's with the last of the uh, dinosaurs yeah hmm. or the last of the Mohicans as they say um yeah and um from what I understand both of you studied uh law at university and um as a university student now, kind of the two parts that are kind of clearly defined for us are private or public law. And I guess legal recruitment is quite an unconventional career path. And so what I'm trying to understand is, were there any experiences that kind of influenced your decision to pursue this career? Uh, no, that's short answer. I think, I think you don't go into study law and combined degrees. You, you, don't, you don't study to become a recruiter, first and foremost. It's not a job you go, I've always dreamed of becoming a recruiter. You know, how do I do that? I'm going to study law for five years, become a lawyer, get flogged, and then go. You know what? I'm going to find, find recruitment. So you, you tend to it tends to be a journey. But I think I think how you are at uni, on reflection, in hindsight, you can see what you're better suited to once you've experienced something. So um, on reflection, I, I think I, I was always going to be a good recruiter, but I didn't know about the profession. I didn't know it existed. I didn't think to study to become one what generally happens is people go to a, a you know whether you're a lawyer an engineer or an accountant you, you take a job and you and you you hope that it's going to work out but sometimes you get there and, and you're the the theory doesn't translate into practice and you're like well what do i do now and that can be quite confronting and then that's when people go well let's shift and, and recruitment becomes an option and if you've got a law degree um it works because it, it, it helps to understand the psyche of a lawyer and you get you build that rapport easily. So like 85% of us are ex-lawyers, mm-hmm. but I don't think any of us at uni thought about becoming a recruiter. Look, there, there is the odd exception now coming through where people go, I actually don't want to be a lawyer and that's an interesting path. We've actually met a few of them, but back in my day, like I didn't even, when I applied for a job and a recruiter called me, I thought I had to give them money. And I was like, how much do I owe you? And they're like, no, no, we're, we're a service. And I'm like, oh, right. Didn't even know. And then they said, you want a job in recruitment? I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm a lawyer, you know? And then six months later, I'm a recruiter. Four weeks in, absolutely loved it. Never looked back. Yeah. Is that what your experience was? Yeah. My experience was a bit um, different. I grew up in a small town in Ireland and came to Australia after completing my law degree. I went on a gap year. Um, Originally born in New Zealand, so I had a, a passport. So it gave me a ticket into Australia. And... I worked for a barrister in New Zealand to get experience. Worked out pretty quickly that life wasn't for me. And then I came to Australia and I got work experience at a law firm up in Queensland. And whilst I liked the people aspect, I didn't really enjoy the work aspect. So then I decided, okay, well, what else are my options? And realized that I like people, I like meeting people. I'd done a lot of travel. And I just so happened to meet someone as I was backpacking around Australia who was in recruitment, different sector. And we ended up living together. And she used to come home every night talking about, I met this person today, I met this person today from different walks of life. And I thought to myself, hmm, I could do that. And I then registered with a recruiter 
didn't know what a recruiter was before I moved to Australia. As I said, small town in Ireland didn't need a recruiter. We just walked into a place of business with your CV. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say I fell into it and um, I interviewed with a different with um, a few different types of agencies, but the I guess the legal role um, had the most synergies and yeah, 10 years, 11 years later, Maybe more. here I am. And I think going through that process of el- elimination and working out what you really enjoy, it, it made sense for me to be in this type of role as well. Like Sam was saying, I was never suited to be a lawyer. I don't think so. And that, that's the thing, you, you, you can't forecast what you're yeah. going to be suited to. You know, because yeah. I, I, we both did well at uni, got, grads, got a job, got a grad job, corporate lawyer, got my, all my Christmases that come at once and then four weeks in, I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. And I gave it some time, but it didn't change. And um, yeah, but you know, then you go, well, how can I use my skills? And if you're good with people and you're a good communicator, mm. you can still be in touch with the law. That's all I like about it because you can you're still a part of the the legal f- mm. fabric you know so you, you haven't it's not a total waste of five years of your life at a you know degree mm. and something you know if i look back at people i went to law school with i'd say now for my close friends there's probably two of them are still lawyers wow yeah and they're mm. barristers oh sorry a couple partners and a couple of barristers the rest are own businesses but they all started as lawyers and they got mm-hmm. they got experience and they used it once a couple of teachers like they've used it for all different types yeah. of things and it's a great it's a great springboard for all different types of professions yeah yeah i totally agree we normally meet uh we normally recruit people so to your point i uh, do do uni students become recruiters probably no is the answer but we get a lot of one two three year lawyers mm-hmm. who are people 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 persons uh, who want to change career and then they, they sort of think about what can they do like if you've studied what, what can you do if you've been a lawyer for three years and you're getting paid $120,000 you can't just become an accountant yeah. you know you can't just go on a maybe you can go into banking if you're a banking lawyer or corporate lawyer what are you what, what are your options you know what I mean it's a bit of a scary process for them so we often the people we recruit are those people and they um, they work out great because they're dedicated they work hard great attention to detail and they're, and they're really good with people um, so the girl I met today very good that's why I was with her for an hour and a half yeah and um, why do you think firms and um, prospective employees would kind of utilise your services as a legal recruiter rather than just going through their HR department or looking for jobs themselves well that, first and foremost they're not lazy no I'm kidding you can ask that one <laughs> uh, one of the main factors is time um, from a law firm or HR perspective. They have got 20 million things to do. Recruitment is one of them. And we take that, I guess, time piece away from them. And on the lawyer side, lawyers like to deal with recruiters purely because they have to have the conversation once with us if they're speaking with 10 firms individually. They have to have that conversation, you know, those 10 times. They can have it once with us. We'll feed it through. And I think when it comes to negotiating salaries as well, a lot of people don't like to do that directly with a law firm or a company. And that's where we come into play because that's a part of our job. It's an awkward conversation, not for us. We're good negotiators. No, it's, e- it's easy when it's not you. <laughs> yeah. when, you're, when you're negotiating with someone else, it's quite easy. I, I think I think HR, uh, a lot of them go on HR, they're not, like a, a recruitment isn't part of their training at university. So they don't fully appreciate that's a big part of the job. And if you think about, 
what makes a company it's the talent they can get and retain so the the companies that do it well understand that and yes they will try and recruit themselves through word of mouth you know some firms will pay their lawyers ten thousand dollars to find them a lawyer yeah cash cash payment you know what i mean so interestingly lawyers are reluctant to recommend someone because they're worried if it doesn't work out it's going to reflect poorly on them so that doesn't because when that first came out i'm thinking this could be the end of us and then suddenly hardly anyone was using it and the ones that did some of them are now recruiters because they liked it so much <laughs> but um and to the lowest point they're busy but and recruitment's never been what they wanted to do and they don't necessarily value it so they they're quite happy to um get an expert to do that and as i said before we've got forty eight thousand lawyers in the database lawyers come to us because we give them options if you go to a firm that's one option yeah then you've got to manage six different applications to six different hr people and they're all putting pressure on you and become they're just going out time out they've got they've got their day jobs to do as well so we're an easy the candidates like us because we make their life easier the firms accept us even though they're like paying it yeah because we make their lives easier as well and quite simply we just we just have we just do it better than they can because that's our jobs. That's all we do. You know what I mean? And part of our job as well is to, on the lawyer side, um, prep them for interview. So we go through an interview prep session once a firm has requested to interview, which they wouldn't otherwise get if they were dealing with a firm directly and which they really appreciate, particularly if you know there are those loyal people that have stayed in jobs for quite a long time and it's their first time on the market. Um, they really value. And the insight. We can tell them that partner... Yep. Maybe a bit unpleasant. Maybe, maybe don't go there. They're really charming, but they're a sociopath. Um, you know, when you meet a sociopath, you often you often like them, which is the scary thing, right? Uh, and hopefully, you never meet a psychopath, but you'll probably like them too. <laughs> and laws, law firms have a few of them. Uh, but in all in all seriousness, the, the law firms culturally are way better than they used to be. You don't get those sort of crazies allowed there anymore. Yeah. But just knowing, oh, that person, they're, they're not, you're not going to be able to read them. They'll sit yeah. there stone-faced the whole interview. And some people, like, oh, that person didn't like them. They start putting them off. Mm. But if you know they're going in, you go, well, that's, that's how they are. Mm. You know, so we can give, that, that helps. And those, they, when they deal directly, you don't, you just get, hit, go to, here's the meeting room, turn up, hope for the best. Yeah. yeah. And funnily enough, before I met Laura, I never prepped people because I just thought, if they can't get the job, that's their mm. towels brought up. That's their bad luck. And Laura's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> If you just give them an hour, they might do better. You might get a job. I'm like, that's a good point. And then sure enough, it worked. Now I, even I do it. So um, yeah, I think I think that's why we're used just because we yeah. we provide more and we make everyone's lives, lives easier. Um, and, then they, and then once you've done that, they trust you. So they yeah. want to use you again. They don't, because I know I'll just send my CV to Sam or Laura. I just put my feet up, interviews will roll in and I just hopefully a job offer comes and all I do is attend the meetings, you know? And then when the partner's like, can we call them? Can we call them? Can we offer them the job? Like, hang on, no, you can't. Don't don't be too keen. It's like dating. You <laughs> know, play you got, cool. Play cool. They've got five other options. Yeah. Like, what do you mean they've got five other options? You know, can't we call them? And then if we're not here, that goes, they'll call them directly and start, not, it's kind of harassment. Yeah. And they, they, they think that's like, we're excited. We want to get them, but yeah. they don't give an opportunity to explore options in that piece that we provide. Oh, yeah. That's what good recruiters do. Mm. That's what Montgomery does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And we are the best. And we are the best. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, you mentioned earlier that um, you've kind of travelled the globe coming from um, Ireland. And I guess the question I have is, what has it been like working internationally, especially during COVID? And I guess, are there any unique challenges placing lawyers, both domestically and internationally? 
Yeah, so I think during the pandemic, there wasn't too much international movement at all. Now that the borders are open, um, it's definitely starting to pick up for sure. There's a backlog of lawyers here in Australia and indeed um, New Zealand and vice versa in the UK looking to move out here. And um, it's just becoming more and more the the norm um, again, um, given we're an international company too it's been great from my perspective i've still got family over in the northern hemisphere so quite regularly pre-pandemic i would have gone back to that side of the world um spent a week in london met with lawyers over there um typically aussies wanted to move back to australia or indeed uk qualified lawyers that wanted to move to australia and talk them through all their options here um and sam's actually going next week yeah monday and um, to london yep yeah so um We've got a London, we've got a UK office, so we've got two recruiters over there, and a, and a law student who helps with our um, admin research. Which we've got three law students here as well, actually, from different universities. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, I try and go over twice. Well, the plan was going twice a year. We started London office in back in September. It was like August September, August two thousand nineteen. I went over in September. My business partner Andrew went over in November, and then pandemic. So it's my first trip back in what three years to almost to the day, uh, but we we the point the reason we set up is the flow. A lot of Aussies and Kiwis go there, mm-hmm. then they come back, and we want to be the people that they use to do that. And and lawyers, you know, uh, one of the the great things about being a lawyer, if you're in the right practice area, and that's something I'm happy to talk about. But you can you can move anywhere in the world, if it's a Commonwealth jurisdiction or it's an area like banking and finance where the, the documentation will be in English. And the, so um, it, is, it is quite a portable profession and it's not, every, not everyone's that lucky to, to be able to do that. So you see, we, we deal with lawyers who've gone from Australia to Amsterdam, Munich, Frankfurt, Berlin, London, obviously, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Dublin, probably not Belfast. Um, I don't recall mm, anyone yeah. doing that. Yet. Other parts of uh, France, I mean, if you go into Europe, you need an EU passport or speak the language. Um, Hong Kong, Singapore, Dubai, all through the Middle East, um, Tokyo, yeah. So even Jakarta, um, Bangkok. So there's a lot of options for, for lawyers to travel, yeah, and, and for recruiters. So as yeah. Laura said, if, if one of our staff go, hey, I'm off to Japan, I'll be like, do you want to do some work over there? <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'll pay for your flights. Ski during the day. <laughs> so if you, if you meet five lawyers a day for two days, we'll pay for your flights. And they're like, give me a week. Yeah. <laughs> Make it happen. Yeah. So that's a little perk that we offer. Yeah. So I am going to New Zealand in a couple of weeks. I've got family there. My mum lives there. So we're doing a bit of a, a rodeo um, meeting with lawyers in Auckland and Wellington. Again, who are looking to move to Australia or further afield. And then that, I often go to Perth as well. And then, yeah, I've gone to London. So it's 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 a really good career path or alternative career path to a lawyer. Um, if you want to travel. Yeah, so lawyers can travel, recruiters can travel, and I'm actually going to meet a bunch of UK recruiters and try and convince them to, to come to Australia because we can sponsor. So that's the <laughs> that's part of my uh, plan in the UK. They don't know that yet, but that's my plan. Yeah. <laughs> they won't listen to this, so it'll be fine. <laughs> and um, when you guys travel internationally to meet with those lawyers, are they part of an existing network or do you kind of have to utilize, utilize sorry, your connections to kind of get in contact with them? Mixture of both, I'd say. Um, we tap into the database and um, we use LinkedIn. And most lawyers are on there these days. There's only a handful that generally aren't on there. I've got one at the moment, actually, who's not. 
senior lawyer at Malison's. But yeah, the old one isn't on there. Are you yeah. guys on LinkedIn? Are you on yeah. The, yeah. 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 Is it used by uni students? Uh, I feel like for a commerce degree, um, it's part of the degree to get LinkedIn. I feel like that's kind mm. of a shift. But generally for other degrees, I don't think there's a, that I guess pressure. you wouldn't really use it because it's not until you're working. Yeah, until, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But yeah, LinkedIn is a source. So I'm, when I'm over there now, I'm, I'm using database. Uh, you can do things like LinkedIn campaigns, which is something you probably haven't heard of where you speak to the, the tech guys at LinkedIn and you go, hey, I want to I wanna send out some information to a certain type of person so lawyer these law firms with a note that i'm going to be in london yeah and only they'll see it through algorithms so we, we we pay money for that and then basically if you get on linkedin in your feed it'll just pop up oh uh, and oh. i won't see it laura won't see it only the people we want to see it mm-hmm. will see it and then they there's a button to click if you're interested in chatting so we we, we use things like that uh, oh, as okay. well uh, it costs a bit of money but it's a good there's good roi on that and then um you know referrals and but I've, I've spoken to Laura hey Laura I'm going to be in London can you reach out to anyone you know mm-hmm. I'm happy to meet them also I'll meet anyone for anyone mm. um, that's how we tend to do it but it's yeah, it, it's hard to just randomly call someone and go hey I'm in London you want to meet and yeah. like, so who are you yeah yeah. that's hit and miss you could call 100 people and get one meeting that's not a good use mm. of time so there's a bit of prep obviously involved like for any trip mm. or any job before you go um, but generally speaking if you mention that the coffee's on you and you've, <laughs> they, they want to move internationally they're up for a, a chat and as you can tell Sam likes to chat definitely yeah <laughs> a little bit a little bit <laughs> I guess this might be personal experience or it could be the general consensus but I guess what a lot of people are feeling right now is that we are currently in a tough legal job market, uh, especially for university students due to decreased demand from the firms. Um, do you guys believe this to be the case? At, are you talking about Clark, Clarks and grads, summer Clarks? Yeah, like I think 2020 for sure, 2021 even. I feel like the cohort that'll be starting, start this year and then next year, I feel like it's, from speaking to law firms, they've increased their demand again to, to um, in some cases, pre-GFC levels. So it's actually not a bad time to be a grad. Um, fingers crossed the world doesn't go to hell in a handbasket anytime soon. So if you're looking for a job this year, next year, I think it's not a bad time as a grad, but there was a two-year period there where I think it was tough. And a lot of those people that might have dreamt of being lawyers, unfortunately, didn't get a gig and they're they're doing you know whatever they're doing but uh i feel like the next couple of years is not a bad time to be a, a graduate and, and the reason for that is transactions uh there's a lot of transaction activity in the market even with interest rates going up that creates opportunity the private equity guys who cashed up love that and the most of the grads settle in litigation and, and corporate in particular or, or finance or property property's booming construction's booming the government is spending state government and federal mainly state on infrastructure in new south wales is out of control to the point where yeah, there's, there's there's a shortage of lawyers but there's a shortage of engineer everything right so how they're going to get it done and then on the back of that mistakes are made this is what happens litigation um who needs paralegals grads litigate big big litig big ticket litigation which is going to go on so i actually think the tides turned a little bit hopefully that's good news for law students out there and and enjoy it while it lasts is what i'd say yeah yeah. What's your thoughts on that? You know, I agree. Um, and I'd also say that for grads in particular, you know, there's those uni career fairs where lots of the top firms are there, but there's a suite of law firms that don't attend those um, that we deal with and that 
we also don't deal with that I would imagine law graduates wouldn't even know about. Um, so I guess advice would be to look outside the firms that come to those um, graduate fairs and the way to do that, Google, internet. No, well, look at our, our, our website. Google, we Google's, Google's difficult because it brings out personal injury firms mainly. Um, PK Simpson, he's not Homer. All those ones are uh, Stacks, Good Camp, <laughs> Morris Blackburn, all those um, Slater and Gordon. I actually every year started doing a presentation to the different unis on how to get a job if you missed out on a summer clerkship. Um, so 80% of firms don't participate in the clerkship program in, in New South Wales, right? Now, of those 20%, they probably make up 50% of, of the jobs. But there's there's a there's a whole raft of mm-hmm. firms as Laura said you and, and if you Google it you wouldn't know what's who's who's what to be fair but there's a lot of firms out there you've never heard of who are who are excellent and you get good training and if you join them you get exposure early and and you'll walk into a top tier law firm two years later mm. like and get and get paid well for it difficult to go overseas so if you want to go overseas it's a two-step process yeah that's why the best option if you want to travel is to go to top tier but if you don't want to go to top tier you know, some some re- some ways I don't see any advantage of actually starting at the top tier. Yeah, yeah, and um, I guess as a, a a uni student too, if you have an interest in a particular practice area, going back to Mr. Google, um, what you could do is put in the practice area and law firm, which would hopefully not bring up the personal injury law firms, and actually Doyle's Doyle's Guide or Doyle's Guide. Go to Doyle's Guide. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys know Doyle's Guide? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> familiar. Uh, but for the viewers who don't, could you kind of go into what? Yeah, so Doyle's Guide is a, is a locally um, produced publication um, from a guy, my old boss actually, a guy called Cam Thompson. Um, he won't be listening to this, but uh, good guy. He uh, saw an opportunity to create uh, a list of the, all the practice areas across Australia. So New South Wales, New South Wales Victoria, WA, South Australia, Queensland, um, not sure if they do Tasmania, but maybe they do. And now he's gone international. And unlike Legal 500 and Chambers, which you may have heard of, they're, again, publications, they're done outside of Australia looking in. So they only really focus on the large firms. Whereas Cam will look at employment and he'll, 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 he won't just speak to the BD departments of Allens and, and get there, or they'll pay him $10,000. Hey, can you put us on the top, which is, which is what they do. He'll speak to their clients. He'll, get, he'll interview people from around... Um, in the industry and find out who the best lawyers in that space. And that might be a boutique firm, mm-hmm. might be a major, often the major ones are in there, but there's a whole raft of firms you would never heard of that are in there, particularly in the specialist areas, as, lawyers, as Laura said. And um, they don't get applicants because no one knows who they are. Um, so if you're, if you're really passionate about employment law or IP law or patent law or- Environmental um, planning. Environmental planning, there's these, there's these firms, that's all they do. Yeah, and, and then where do you think the top tier law firms get their staff from? Yeah, we unfortunate for those firms because they do all the training and they're like plucked out. That they know the game. Um, gone are the days of the fifty-one year um, tenure. Tenure. <laughs> yeah. And um, if you were back in the body of your first year self, just starting university, um, is there I'm actually the do? same weight as I was at uni, by the way. So really, yeah. Apart from the hair, I look kind of the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Is there anything you would do differently in terms of uh, your career progression or uni life in general? Yeah. 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 There's one thing I do. If I was serious about being a lawyer, which turns out I never was, but I didn't know that till later, I would 100% get a job as a paralegal. 
while at university because you need to know what you're getting yourself into and to get enough of a taste to figure out whether you're going to enjoy it. And if you don't, then you can create alternate paths for yourself. But if you, if you, if you don't do that and you just go in blind like I did, you know, it's 50-50. So whether you're going to like mm. it and maybe you don't. And then it's like, then you've got to think about re-engineer a, a change of career a bit too late potentially. Mm. Um, so I think it's really important to do that. Uh, but apart from that, I wouldn't change much, you know. I maybe should have read a case law <laughs> case or two, but uh, I didn't want to be a lawyer. In, yeah. in, on reflection, it was clear. But if you want to be a lawyer, that you, you have to do that. If you're not doing that, you're missing a trick. I've probably got a controversial answer. So I, I'm pretty sure in my second year of uni, I knew that I didn't want to be a lawyer or continue to study. However, I had outside voices and internal stubbornness that I was going to finish the degree. Whereas if I had my time again, I would 100% switch to a degree that I knew that would be of interest to me, which would have been probably an international commerce type degree with French, love French in high school. And where would you get with that? Diplomat? Well, I could be I'm sitting- being your, I'm being your dad now. Where would you get with that? <laughs> I could be sitting in the same role right here. Who knows? Uh, I, don't you know? Know? I don't know if your parents would approve. Uh, yeah. I, think, I, I think they would. But what my point is that if you really aren't enjoying what you're doing and there are things out there that you do enjoy, try and get experience in them at that um, stage. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I, and I think on reflection, to my point, I didn't, I was like, Laura, I, I, I never really actually thought about what I wanted to do. I just thought I'll get a job. How hard can it be? Get through uni, play some footy, have some beers, be fun. Get to the end, got a job, luckily somehow, and then realized it wasn't for me. Um, actually spending some time thinking about what you like, mm. what you want to do, because it is a lot, it's a big time commitment to a law degree. And as you guys know, it's intense, right? The exams mm. and a lot of reading. So if you don't, and I actually didn't mind the study, which is why I said get some practical experience. But if I had my time again, I would have done something related to science. But yeah. I listened to my the people around me as well, mm. um, who said the safe option is to do finance law. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a safe option, yeah. correct? Correct from that point of view. But it wasn't the only option. Mm, and sometimes you got to be a bit brave to yeah. go. Hey, you know what? What do I actually want to do with my life? Because you only get one shot at it that you know, that, that I'm aware of. Anyway, you know that's another topic of conversation about past lives and multiple lives but but um so you want you want to make sure you're going to enjoy it and, and it, the sad thing is sometimes we meet these lawyers who are eight years in and they just they don't like their jobs yeah. and it affects their life you know um and they're they're so determined like laura was to succeed and be a success and that's great and they do but if you don't enjoy it you know i, I think it's a bit of a sad existence but luckily most people most lawyers do enjoy being lawyers because if you don't you like we found out you, you will leave early yeah some people just persist. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard though to to um, know what you want when you're young. I don't know. Don't know if you ever thought about that, but I don't know. I feel like I'm still a bit early, but I guess it's never too early. So what what year are you in? Oh, second year. Yeah. yeah, it's probably about the right time. Yeah, and um, I understand that legal recruitment kind of focuses a little later down the line. But is there anything university students can kind of do to better equip themselves and become better job candidates? Look, if you want to become a lawyer. I would definitely focus on getting good grades if your aim is to get into a top tier. It's something that they look at and it's something that even when you're a senior associate, sometimes even a special counsel, a law firm will ask us, can we please see the transcripts? And that's something, 
if I had decided that I was going to be a lawyer, that I would have loved to have been told as a uni student the importance that those grades do hold if you want to follow in the, yeah, as I said, footsteps of the, the national or the top tier law firms, US law firms, they look at them. Yeah, because I don't think you, I mean, I think you guys now know all this, like it's competitive, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, thousand applicants, they can't just interview everyone, so they're going to have a, a, a GPA cutoff, you know, and if you want to be in that environment, you, you've got to get good grades. It doesn't mean you can't get a job in an area of interest or go to a boutique and end up in the top tier. Yeah. But fails, you always, like we deal with lawyers eight years out, oh, they failed. They still explain themselves eight years later and they can't even remember being at uni. You know, it's like, well, that, yeah. So um, some practice areas, litigation in particular, they, they'll look at transcripts the day you die. Um, corporate lawyers, more transactional, they don't tend to care as much because um, without corporate lawyers, there is no litigation because there's no mistakes are made, right? <laughs> so um, they like, get, let's get the deal done. I don't know about that clause, <laughs> that'll be fine. Um, but, but great, yeah, you know, my day, P is equal degrees, that's not true. Um, D is equal degree um credits and distinctions is where you want to get the odd pass is fine um and you know if you enjoy it you you'll you'll probably spend more time studying and get better marks because of that yeah um but just because you don't get a distinction average doesn't mean you can't get a job so yeah yeah no that's i definitely don't want people thinking that i think it's if you're looking to get into a specific law firm um but there's plenty of law firms out there that don't put as much weight on it and they look at extracurricular activities again throughout uni so are you working in the legal field um, do you do, weight, do yeah. any volunteer work um, are you into sports are you into you know other things and and that's what's going to set you apart um, in an interview as well also having a good and well drafted without any mistakes on your CV yep. they get you know lots of applications as we spoke about earlier so if you've got a, a full stop in the wrong space yeah. that could that could put you out of the running in these top tiers yeah c cover letters when you're uh, at uni are important yeah. um, cutting and paste doesn't always cut it mm. the pun when you've had experience no one reads the cover letters yeah but when at uni what, what else are they going off mm, definitely yeah yeah man so that's it, it, and and detail is yeah, what, what makes a good lawyer attention mm. detail is what makes the best lawyers yeah. definitely um, you mentioned attention to detail, and I guess you've talked about academic achievements or past work experience as something that makes, I guess, a candidate great. But are there any intangible traits, perhaps personality traits, that kind of firms look for in a ideal candidate? I mean, you know, ideally you want a, di a diversified workplace, so it's, you don't want everyone to be clones of each other. But I think I think there's certain things putting aside personality traits in terms of other traits and values that people look at would be, um, you know, work ethic would probably go without saying. I think, I think, I think uh, when you interview, so w when people interview you, that they're, they're looking to hire you, you know, so they're not interviewing you because they they think, oh, maybe you could do a job. They actually want you to get a job. So, being enthusiastic and also being positive about yourself mm. um, need to happen. And a lot of people when they're younger think, oh, I, I know I'm good my CV is good, do I have to really explain that? But no, you, you want to tell them, they want to hear it. It's the one time in life where people actually want to hear you say, I'm good at this. And they won't think, what a tool, you know? They'll think, great, we want, we want this person. And, and not, not overstating yourself, but 
being honest about it. So I think some people, particularly younger, don't sell themselves as well as they could. Mm. And it's just saying, like, I'm actually good at this and I'm happy to talk about it in an interview and not be embarrassed by that. And then we're happy to be there. Just like, yeah, I'm really excited and playing the game a bit. I mean, in, preparing for interviews is great, but anyone can say anything. You know, but I think energy, yeah. enthusiasm, and that desire show, shows through. People who are a bit arrogant, aloof, uh, or don't prepare, uh, yeah. that, that comes through. Yeah. Um, Confident without the arrogance, mm. I think. And, and know whatever company or firm that you're meeting with, know why you're there, what interests you about that specific um, opportunity. Yeah. You know, any employer wants to hear from a potential employee why they like the sound of them mm. and why they want to work there. But also, I look at things like extracurricular activities, yeah. you know, proven history of success, achievement, dedication. Uh, not narrow like I think if you're really narrow in your if you just study law and that's all you do I feel like down the line it it, it comes through in that your your awareness of even things like commercial awareness or awareness of people or interactions mm. with people because in the end it's a people business yeah. and if you don't develop those communication skills and you just focus on the studies those people don't become partners yeah. it doesn't matter how bright you are if you can't relate to somebody if you can't communicate effectively to somebody so Part of uni is the social aspect, you know, doing what you're doing, this sort of stuff, yeah. joining committees, joining mm-hmm. groups, making friends, keeping keeping friends. Yeah. Uh, that those sort of intangibles, I think, go a long way, not only in the interview but down the line. Yeah. And and I think when you have all those experiences, you actually develop a bit more common sense and 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 nous. And I think people who are too narrow, I need to just get distinction HDs. You know, they're probably better off in academia. A lot of mm. them, and they don't, then they often disappoint in practice. You know, um, there's those people that you know that are just good at everything. Well, we can't all be <laughs> that, but you can try. You know, then, yeah. So what, being well-rounded, I know it's a cliche, but it does whatever that means to you, whatever you, that that thing interests you have. I think it's good to be part of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about you know, in any aspect, really building relationships. And you don't necessarily need to be good at it initially because, you know, life's a journey. Um, But I think if you put yourself out there and do different things, it's going to go a long way. Very wise words, Laura. Mm. And um, would you say um, preparing for a legal job is different to preparing for jobs in different sectors? And um, is there a different approach to writing up cover letters for legal jobs? And is there anything specific you got? Well, it's a good question. Because I, when I was leaving, uh, when I left law, because I left l- l- law school and went overseas for six months skiing, and then went to Byron Bay for six months, <laughs> learned to surf, so I had a good year. But then I was like, I've got to get a job. But I, I missed all these grad applications. So I started applying for jobs that where they would look at a law degree, not necessarily legal jobs. And I found actually the the questions were all kind of similar at the grad level, you know, what's your greatest ever achievement tell us the time when you display leadership or initiative how you deal with difficult situations all, all those sort of behavioral type questions they because you don't have the experience to judge anyone necessarily like you haven't been a lawyer yet or, or an accountant or or a um you know an engineer or whatever it might be so they've got to have these basic behavioral style questions they feel like what are they like so i actually found it kind of similar the the exception though was in law interviews they they go through your academic transcript the other places they look at it at the outset and they wouldn't talk about it. I, I remember being questioned in an interview line by line. So why did you only get accredited in corporate law? 
And I was like, I can't even, I made some stir up about being busy with multiple, I was good at bullshitting, I got the job. But I, um, but they just went through it line by line and I had a fail as well. Wow. Yeah, and I, I had a good story behind the fail, but I did have a fail, I failed criminal law because I was, I didn't have a watch at the time. This is my story anyway. I didn't have a watch at the time and, and I was at the back of the, the, the hall and there's a clock right at the front. And I thought there was 45 minutes to go and they said pens down to five minutes and I hadn't started the third part of the component. And I, I was killing it because of course I was, I had so much time. I was like, this is the best exam of my life. And I was like, I just started like doing this and I, I just didn't get it done. And I got, I got 49, so I was definitely getting on the way to credit, but I, um, I learned a lesson, but that haunted me. All my applications of clerkships shot down because they wow. fail. So um, no interviews at any of the top tiers. Do you wear a watch now? I don't. So I'm, but I'm, <laughs> I, I've got my phone and I pay attention to time. <laughs> and I sat at the front after that and I had a little clock on my desk. Um, but I, I did, I learned a lesson. Um, but it did, you know, it, it, it didn't cost me a job in the end. I got a job with two ex top tier partners, but they did was the other mm. professions they didn't really care as much. I think engineering would be different, be similar, I reckon, would be my take on it. Accounting firms, it's all about being conservative. You don't want to be too much personality. You probably don't have too much personality in a law firm interview too, a little bit, but not too much, because they want to be able to control you, yeah. show you just there to work, that sort of stuff. And, they, and there's, there's no minimal wage issues anymore in law firms for grads, so mm. that's all solved. So if you work 40 hour days, you'll get paid for it, whereas three years ago, you didn't. Um, but I, I didn't, did you know, I mean, you didn't really interview for law jobs, did you? So. I've been very lucky throughout my <laughs> She gets every job she's gone for, wow. <laughs> I haven't applied to too many jobs and I've got a lot of them through word of mouth. So I can't really. You came to us through word of mouth? Yeah. And my business partner 10 minutes in goes, geez, you're, you're amazing. When did we hire you? I'm like, don't say that. We're gonna. I said, you know what, we're gonna do a test. Because you know, I was like, you can't, you, you gotta play the game a bit. Um, that's the other thing, you don't, you, don't be, you don't wanna be like too honest in an interview as well. Mm. Like if you get asked something, have an answer they're gonna wanna hear, not just the answer to the question. Yeah. Yeah. All right, definitely, yeah. And um, um, you and um, many other members of your team uh, recruit lawyers at all levels in many areas of law. Um, do you find that recruiting for different areas of law kind of present varying experiences or challenges for you, given the diverse nature of their activities? I would say that it's good to have, you know, a good understanding of the different backgrounds that people are coming to you with. But at the end of the day, people are the product. And I think, yes, everyone's very different. So people come with a variety of different reasons why they want to leave and also different people have different quirks and interests so I think it doesn't just come down to the practice area it comes down to the individual and you know what they're looking for um, so an example you know I've got a, a two-year corporate lawyer that's coming to me that wants to move overseas um, pretty straightforward it's just him and he wants to move to London great no issues I have a six-year you know, banking and finance um, lawyer who has a partner, a family, a dog. That's a bit different moving mm. a whole family than it would be moving one person. So there'd be different, um, I guess, aspects of that move. There'd be lots more relocation assistance, lots more talk about, you know, what area you're going to go to, what schools are the kids going to go to and things like that. Yeah. So I wouldn't specifically say it comes down to practice area. It's more the 
person's situation. Hmm. Sometimes personally. Are, are you asking, is there a different, is there a particular type of character that goes to a particular area of war? Was mm, I, yeah, I guess. But it's also given like the diverse nature of different sectors, like banking and finance mm. would obviously be different to personal injury. Is there any difficulty in kind of grappling with all those um, I mean, as a recruiter? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got to learn the areas of law. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, you need to know what a banking lawyer does. So, so when I left law, I was a corporate lawyer. Yeah. So I knew, I knew a little bit about corporate law. Not a whole lot. <laughs> I um, I knew the firms I'd come across and the firms you knew, but then I got here and suddenly it was just a whole new world. Like, oh, competition law. I didn't even know you could be a competition lawyer. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was like, wow, I wish I'd known that when I was at uni. Uh, and I think they teach that now, but back in my day, there was no subject called competition law mm. um, or trade practices law. Uh, and then, you, yeah, so you got to learn competition, you got to learn corporate, you got to learn banking, you got to learn litigation, you got to learn employment. Not as a lawyer, but enough to be able to understand what they do. So. Yeah property law construction law basic contract like what are the basic contracts so when you're asking the question and they're not answering how you would think they should answer based on the transactions they've worked on you can go well so why didn't you draft those documents that would be and they're like oh and you can sort of yeah. figure out if anyone's any good or not and then when you when you meet someone who's good they're just like bam bam bam, bam. they just tell you and you're like okay i need to ask you more questions here um and then from that point it's easy then to match which roles they would be suitable for and which roles I guess they wouldn't be suitable um, yeah. for so and then there's an education piece on that um, with a lawyer that maybe wants to go to a particular firm or you know pivot in a different practice area which sometimes is possible and then other times it's not it's our job to I guess consult them on what options that they do have or whether it's actually a possibility or not so from that perspective we need to know whether it can be done or not. Yeah, what's portable. So if you're a litigation lawyer, can you go become an employment lawyer? Yes, you can. If you're a banking finance lawyer, can you become a corporate lawyer? Probably not. Mm. Unless you're junior. And when you're not, because the more expensive you get, the more they expect. So there becomes a point yeah. where you, you're too experienced to make a change you know, in, a, in a law field. Mm. And, and you do get people pivoting, for sure. But you, you want to do that in the first two to four years. But uh, yeah, part of the job I like as a recruiter is... Um, just knowing all the different areas of law and being able to speak to lawyers about it, it's kind of, you know, um, it's kind of satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas when I was a lawyer, I didn't know anything about anything apart from mm. what I was doing, basically. And yet when we've hired lawyers, like we had, we hired a banking lawyer, a corporate lawyer, litigation, they didn't want to recruit litigation because they didn't understand it. Mm. Yeah. They'd never been involved in it, you know, and they still shy away from it. If there's a role, they just won't go near it. Mm. Yeah. So, because then you're speaking to a lawyer, if you don't know what you're talking about, they'll, they'll pretty quickly know that. Mm. So you, you've got to sort of read up on it before the meeting so you can come across as credible. Definitely, yeah. yeah. But also as a junior recruiter, yeah, you don't really know much. So you actually learn from the person that you're speaking to. Mm. And, you know, it's all in how you ask the questions. So asking the open questions, you know. Yeah, learn them when, talk. What documents yeah. do you draft? Yeah. Oh, really? Tell me more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. And you just try, you know? to, you try <laughs> and stay awake. You know, <laughs> make it till you make it. Oh. Don't, have, don't have meetings at 2, 3 p.m. After mm. lunch, yeah, no, yeah. Just, I'm fine today, but normally, <laughs> normally at two o'clock I fall asleep. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I had class around that time. It was terrible. Tough, tough, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's tough. Um, and Criminal I understand. Law was that time, I think. No I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I understand that Montgomery was founded with the intention of being a disruptive startup. And um, did you find that hard to kind of break into the legal sector and kind of make and establish a name for yourself? Um, well, disruptive startups are probably a bit of a stretch. <laughs> I think that's on our website. It's on our yeah. website. No, it's on our website. No, it is. I, I wrote it. I wrote the website. 
it's it's good for marketing. <laughs> um, I wrote all that content on the website. No, we. Um, I guess I, I when I got into recruitment to wind back when I left the law, I was like, you know, was I twenty five at the time? And I was like, what am I going to do now? Basically, I was working. I don't know. I quit the law, and I was working in a in a bottle shop actually. Funny enough, and then I bumped into a recruiter one night. They convinced me to take a job, and I thought, oh, you know, what, I'll go there and I'll place myself in a job. I'll come to the meeting and go, here's my CV. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought I was gonna do. That's how naive I was. And then four weeks in, I loved it. But then a year later, I'm like, you know what? I think I can do this better than the people I'm working for. So I'm, I'm going to um, start a recruitment company. That was my plan, but I needed to get experience, relationships. So after three years there, I joined a um, another recruiter that didn't have a legal function. They were just an accounting finance recruitment company mm-hmm. and they want to start legal and I was like, I'll start it because I wanted someone else to pay me to do it to see how it could I bring mm. relationships across who would follow me how do you do it built the team out there and then I thought it's time to go started this eight years ago and then I guess we, we were trying to do things a little bit differently you know because um, recruitment back then it was very transactional and I felt uh, it was all about the client we're all about the candidate so we mm. try and create a good candidate experience and then create long lasting relationships whereas other recruiters like get the deal done never call them again yeah so it's a different style so disruptive in that way i guess we, we've we've got ideas that are going to be more disruptive but we haven't had the time to implement them but that's uh mm. i watch this space i'd say definitely yeah. anything else you want to add to that no i've just been <laughs> part of it yeah. hmm. and <laughs> how hard was it to kind of form and maintain those networks that were kind of integral to the starting of the firm yeah you know you, you got to be business is a funny business is 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 a, some some somewhat similar to friendship, right? But you're not necessarily friends with the people <laughs> you're doing business with. But you've got to be really you spend a lot of time with them, right? So networking, that's why sociopaths like Donald Trump do really well in business because that's how they treat everyone. What can you do for me? You know, business is like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna network with people that we can help each other out, and it's like that and. Initially, I found that kind of difficult because I'm not that sort of person, to be honest with you. But I, I realized you can do it in a different way. And for me, networking is all about, you know, creating a, a positive relationship and, and showing that you're there to help them. So I spent a lot of time, I spent too much time talking to people, as Laura would say. Like when she first came aboard, she's like, that meeting went for two hours. I'm like, yeah, well, I was just wanted to hear about the kids. You know what I mean? You get, you get to know them and they trust you. So, so it takes the networking time, it takes a lot of time to get to know people, get them to trust you meet various clients get them to understand you so there's a lot that goes into that and then when you start your own company you've got a you've got a new brand like you, you're trying to no one no no candidate knows who you are yeah. they might know you but they don't know who the company is so a lot of time out there on the streets meeting people going to any meeting like I, i'd meet anybody do you know what i mean and i still would because whether it's a uni student or a partner or a judge or whatever it might be because you just never know what's going to mm-hmm. come out of that conversation yeah. and how you can help them, how they can help you, and and whether you want to stay in contact with them. So yeah, it's kind of a, a bit of a slog, to, mm. for sure. But it was it was worth it, and I'd rather do it for me than somebody else. That's for sure. And I think it comes back to what we were initially talking about way at the beginning. You know, we realised we were people, people, people persons, people persons, persons people. Person. Yeah, that yeah. one. <laughs> um, into people. Yeah, in non, non creepy ways into people. Yeah. <laughs> We like a yarn. <laughs> and I think from my perspective, I was just really, you know, 
nosy. I wanted to know about people and their are. backgrounds. Yeah, She's you know, it's, I, I love asking. <laughs> I love asking questions and getting to know people, and you know, not and it doesn't always have to be about business. As Sam mentioned, you know, I want to get to know about your kids. When were you last on holiday? Or I've just been sick. And then the next time you meet with them you drop that into conversation and they really appreciate that you've actually taken time to first of all listen to them um, because there's lots of other legal recruiters out there like there are when you become a lawyer lots of other competitors out there and you want to set yourself apart um, from the competition and if someone feels that you're invested in them you know it'll be reciprocated yeah it's time it's yeah a, it's a you know sales whether you're selling your fund you're an asset manager whether you're selling people like we are, we're selling pens, pens, <laughs> um, vacuums like my dad used to sell. You, um, it's a contact sport, mm-hmm. so you've got to be out there. You've got to meet people, and you've got to put yourself out there and, and and see what comes of it. And that's part of the excitement. And and then learning about new businesses is exciting. I love going to a new law firm and going to seeing down the partners and understanding what's their model, why they're different, hearing their sell. So why would a candidate join you? And they're like, well, let me tell you. Or they're like, oh, yeah, we're good, we're good blokes. You know, like, is that it? You know, um, sometimes it's it's pretty apparent that you're not going to be able to find a candidate for them. Sometimes you meet these people and you're like, wow, this is a really awesome organization which mm. I've never heard of and I reckon people will love working here. So that, that's a good part of the role as well, yeah. And um, one last question before we finish off. And um, both of you had long and illustrious careers and have been through uni. Um, do you have any general advice that you could give to the viewers? Um, just one last tidbit. Yeah, I'll be snappy. <laughs> I would say, and I think I might have touched on it um, from my uni experience, you know, don't be scared of trying anything new. Feel the fear and do it anyway in any aspect of your life. What's the worst that could happen? And if it feels uncomfortable to do, it's probably the right thing to do. Well, not not always, but yeah. (laughs) Depending on what situation. In a career sense. In a career sense. yeah, I mean, my my, my uh, piece of advice would be, um, just, you know, trust your instinct, trust mm. your gut. You know, sometimes you can get lost in the head noise, you know. Um, I like to think when you're making a decision, you've got your head, your heart, and your gut, and you've got you to try and listen to all three. Because if you just listen to your head, it's not always the right, it's not always the right outcome for you, but it might make sense to other people around you, including your, your brain as well. But just try and be in tune with your gut instinct. You, you know when you something's right and when it's not right. And if I reflect on things I've done in the past and mistakes I've made, whether it's hiring someone, going for a job, becoming a lawyer, I didn't really truly listen to what was going on. Mm. And, and then on reflection, you go, yeah, you know what? I can see why that didn't work. So I've tried to get better at that, you know, and um, follow that. It doesn't mean you don't make mistakes, but I feel like you're you're more likely to have a choose a path that would be more suitable to you if you do that and that as Laura said that can be sometimes being very brave mm. you know um, you know and, and going being, becoming a lawyer is not for the faint-hearted you know that that's a hard job and you work hard and it's stressful and it's long hours but it's it's incredibly rewarding as well so if it's something you're passionate about you go for it and just remember the passion when you're having those stressful days and don't I'm out of here, you know, some people overreact to things. So um, that and my, my only other piece of advice is if you're not meditating, you should try and get that as part of your, your weekly, daily routine because it'll, it'll help you with those decisions as well in life. Yeah, that'd be it for me. 
I'll finish with try and catch a sunrise every now and again. Great way to start your day. Or, or, or a sunset. I mean, I prefer the moon personally. But that's <laughs> I mean, don't get me started on the moon. But I think, you know, yeah, in the busy corporate world that we're in, if you start your day right, be it a meditation or a walk or whatever it is that you like to do, before you start your job, be it at home or in the office, doing something for yourself away from technology or it's just you is a really good way to start your day. And if you can start to practice that, that's probably a bit of advice that I would have loved to have got whenever I was younger. It really makes a difference. And one, one final thing, and you can edit this out. Just be careful with your words. You know, people, people use words flippantly. I think words are powerful. And on a, you know, if you want to be trustworthy and have respect, you've got to, you've got to choose your words carefully and, and, and walk the talk. You know, um, there's a lot of people out there that say things and they don't back it up. And, and you see that in partnerships and law firms where the partner says, yeah, I'll give you a review. And they say, and then nothing happens. And, or they don't give feedback because they don't, they're not, they don't know how to give feedback or, or they, they, they don't want to give bad news or whatever. But I feel like there's a lot of people out there in business in particular who don't honor the words they speak. And I think it's noticed and I think it leads to staff turnover. And I think it's problematic in many other ways too. Um, so yeah, you know, they all saying sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I think words can do some damage. Mm. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, I guess that wraps up our episode. Thank you very Thanks much, for Sam. Us. And Thank Laura. you. Hopefully that was useful. Speaking to us today. Um, yeah, you gave us very good insights, and um, look forward to the episode coming out. Good questions. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Insights by the UNSW Law Society. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Mm-hmm.